This is Jonah chapter 1, 5, 6. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own god, and threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went down to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your god. May he take notice on all of us so that we will not perish. Good evening, everyone. Um, as we said, I'm Rachel, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I'm actually going to start by saying that something that probably most people don't say just before they give a talk. And that is, I really struggled to write this talk. I don't know if you know that feeling, if you've had an essay or a piece of homework or a work deadline. It's no different from any other, and yet somehow you just just struggle to get it together, to put the words in the right places. Well, I really, I've, I've really struggled this afternoon, especially, and, and I'm not saying it was all God, but I wonder if God wanted me to say two things before I start, and they might be better than anything else I then say, or not better, but like more from God. Um, so the first is that we are doing this series in Jonah, based on a book called The Prodigal Prophet by Timothy Keller. I have not read it all yet. I've read about a third. Um, But honestly, I think God is doing a minor change in my life through it, like like actually really pointing out some stuff in me that he wants to change, um, which is daunting but exciting and I'm not saying like don't let that put you off reading it don't let that be the reason you do it because God might not do that in you but but I have found this book to be a really good book so if I can recommend that it to you like everything he says in his chapter that I'm basing it off is much more eloquent and succinct than I can put it um, so please, if you want a copy, like you can borrow my copy, like get yourself a copy and read this book. The second thing I felt like God therefore wanted me to say um, was that that we're all just human, aren't we? Like really um, was struck by singing majesty and that kind of empty-handed but alive in your hands. I feel completely empty-handed tonight, but I know that in God's hands I'm alive because God chooses, I don't know why, but to speak to me and to use me. But he also chooses to speak and use every one of you. So if it's all right, before we start, I'm going to pray that God speaks through me, but I'm also really going to pray that God speaks to you, um, himself to you, that you might hear from him um, wisdom way beyond what I can offer. So, Father God, we just pray that you would really speak to us tonight, Um, not through me, but through yourself, through the power of your spirit, that each one of us here this evening would hear from you and go away changed because of you. Lord, we come to you completely empty-handed, but we trust that we leave alive in your hands. So please, would you speak to us now? Amen. So wonder if you've ever found yourself on a boat in a stormy sea. Um, I did. 
Uh, February 2020, it was the last holiday before the pandemic really hit. Um, Rob and I and some friends went to France for the weekend. Um, we took the ferry from Portsmouth and the way out there was a little choppy, not the most pleasant journey, but like, fine. Um, the way back, however, was anything but fine. I can't remember what storm it was. I think it was Storm Dennis. We hit Storm Dennis, maybe three hours into a six-hour journey, right in the middle of the sea where you cannot see any land. And it was horrendous. It was the kind of bad where out of our group of ten people, only Rob was feeling okay. It was the kind of bad where um, one of our group came across a school teacher who was looking for some of her students who weren't feeling very well, only she was meant to be looking, but she was on her hands and knees throwing up instead. Um, it was the kind of bad where they announced over the tannoy, please stop moving. It's not um, safe to be moving, and also there's, like, in trying to get to the loo to throw up, there's just, there's, it's everywhere. Please don't move anymore. It was definitely the kind of bad that left everyone completely relieved to see the spinnaker and uh, some of us vowing never to step foot on a ferry ever again. But by all accounts, the storm I faced was nothing compared to the storm that Jonah found himself in. You see, the people on that ferry weren't the kind of people who, like Rob and I, hopped on a ferry for a weekend every now and then. These were professional sailors. They were used to the roughest of seas, and, it, and it's what they did. It was their job. They had years and years of experience. And they weren't just feeling bad. They weren't even just feeling sick. They were throwing everything they could find that they didn't need overboard because they were in fear for their lives. More than that, they were crying out to every god they could think of, asking someone to save them, even as we read in tonight's passage, the captain. This was the worst kind of storm that you or I could imagine. Going back to my stormy experience, I was very grateful that it happened to be my husband who was feeling okay. Um, I was grateful he was there to look after all of us, that he ran between each of us with bottles of drink, with sick bags, with everything we need. I was even more grateful that um, we had a wonderful crew full of people who knew what they were doing and could navigate the boat through the awful weather safely and bring us home. I wonder what this crew felt like when they realised that the newest person on board, Jonah, um, was below deck. That not only was he below deck not helping, but that he was actually asleep not the kind of person I'd want helping me try to save the ship and my life. In the book, um, Timothy Keller quotes a guy called Jacques Ellure, who wrote that they are in the same boat and the safety of all depends on what each other does. And Jonah is doing nothing. 
frankly, I think the sailors would have been completely within their own rights to chuck Jonah overboard with everything else because he was, quite frankly, as helpful as the rest of it. But that is not what they do. They wake Jonah up and they ask him to call on God for help. We read later in the uh, book of Jonah that even when they realise that the storm is being caused by God because of Jonah, um, they do everything they can think of first to save Jonah's life. They try to row back to shore even though the storm gets worse and it's only as a really last resort that they do finally throw Jonah into the sea. They don't want Jonah to die. I wonder why the sailors cared about Jonah. Jonah didn't seem to care much about them. Well, I wonder if it was possibly because they found themselves in that shared experience with him. For a while, they became neighbours. Timothy Keller named the chapter on this passage, Who is my neighbour? Well, here we find out that Jonah's neighbours are the pagan sailors he's stuck with in the middle of the storm. And the sailor's neighbour is Jonah, a Hebrew who worships the Lord, the God of heaven, and yet is running away from what God has asked him to do. They are neighbours because they are sharing the same space at the same time. Love a dictionary definition. So the Collins Dictionary defines neighbour as someone who lives near you, someone standing or sitting near you, or a country might be neighbours with another country if they're next door to one another. That's what the dictionary defines as a neighbour. I wonder if we'd been able to ask Jonah who his neighbours were, who he would have said. I wonder if he would have even considered these people who were racially and religiously so different from him to be his neighbours. Or would he have thought automatically to the people back home in the place he'd fled from, the people who were similar to him, who worshipped the same God as him, to be his neighbours? Who do you consider to be your neighbour? Is it the people who physically live next door to you? Is it the people you spend the most time with at uni or at work? Is it the people in your life group? Or the person you're sat next to? Are they similar to you? Or radically different? Do you notice? Does it matter? Because none of the definitions that I read implied that a neighbour had to be similar to you. One of the things that struck me when preparing this is the fact that Jonah was only with these men on the boat for a really short time. Yet for this time, they became neighbours. If everyone we spend time with or find ourselves alongside is our neighbour, then each of us has many different neighbourhoods that we belong to or are a part of. Some we're a part of for a long time and others just for a short time. We all can consider many different people our neighbours. 
But why did Timothy Keller call this chapter, Who is My Neighbour? And, and why does it matter who our neighbours are? Well, I think that it only matters who our neighbours are if we choose to treat our neighbours well. From my um, reading of the story, it makes no obvious difference to Jonah that the men on, his, on the boat were his neighbours. But to the sailors, it meant that they fought to try to save him from the storm and from the sea, even though they didn't know him very well. They chose to treat their neighbour well. How are we choosing to treat our neighbours? Do we treat them well with love and compassion and respect? Because how we relate to and how we treat people really matters to God. It matters to God because as we read in Genesis 9 verse 6, in the image of God has God made mankind. God has made each and every human who has ever existed and he has made them in his likeness. Not only has he made them, but God lavishes good gifts upon them. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. This is a doctrine that um, is kind of known as, in the kind of theological world, um, common grace. Personally, I'd I'd never heard that term put on it, um, but it's a term that Tim Keller refers to in his book, and I've done a bit of extra listening and reading, and actually I found it really helpful to kind of understand that a bit better. But um, he summarises it by saying, the doctrine of common grace is the teaching that God bestows gifts of wisdom, moral insight, goodness, and beauty across humanity, regardless of race or religious belief. We read um, God saying these things in the Bible. He talks about shining on both the righteous and the unrighteous. And there's loads more examples of of him um, treating people just lavishly and wonderfully and with love, regardless of whether they um, trust in him or not, whether they're sinful or not. God gives good gifts to everyone. And we're called to be like God, to follow him, as we're thinking about in the morning services, to be his disciple. So we too should treat all people all neighbours in the way that God has demonstrated for us. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're we're to love our neighbours. And through our loving of our neighbours, people are to see and to glorify God. I really think we can only do this if we truly believe that everyone is made in the image of God. 
and that everyone reflects his glory. I don't know about you, but for me, it's really easy to think of some people and think, yes, you are made in the image of God. You reflect his glory. That thing you do, God gave you that gift. There are some people that you're just, I I can see it. And there are others that, quite frankly, choose not to think about those things because the things I see in them, I find really frustrating. And I don't necessarily like. But if I were to look a little closer, if I were to give them a bit more time and be a bit more understanding, I would be able to see the things in them that God has given them, the ways in them that they are like God. And I really think that the only way, I know for me, the only way that I'm going to be able to do that is by asking God to show me, to renew me and to renew my eyesight, that I might see his glory in those neighbours of mine that I find more difficult, that I might be able to treat them well with love and respect, and that by doing so, they might glorify God. I wonder if you need that too. I'm going to pray as we finish and just ask God to renew our eyesight, that we might see him in the people around us. So Lord, we just ask that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and fill us afresh. We need you, we need more of you. And right now especially, we ask that you would come and renew our vision, renew our eyesight. That you might help us to see your creative stamp in all the world and particularly in all the people we encounter. That we might see in them the beauty of the Lord. And that as we see that beauty, we would be changed. Father God, please, as we go into this week, particularly, we pray that you would help us to love and to care well for the people we find difficult. Even now, would you be bringing to mind for us those people We pray for them, Lord. We trust them to you. We thank you that you love them, that they're made in your image. And we ask now that you would help us to love them well this week. And Lord, we pray for anyone who actually the person they might find difficult and the person that they don't see God reflected in is themselves. And we pray that right now that you would pour your spirit upon anyone here who feels that way and that you would just just take off um, take off those things that hinder their sight Lord that they might see themselves differently that they might see themselves the way that you see them please Lord God would you be at work in each one of us transforming us in our vision that we might become more and more like you day by day.
Amen.